All right, let's get a word from our sponsor this morning. Psalm 118. Father, we we thank you for the morning. And Lord, it's uh, according to your word. Your son said that things would get really bad before his return. And Father, we're not fatalist. We're realist. And we can't stick our heads in the sand. We have to do what, as your son said to do? Look up, for your redemption draws near. So Lord, we know there's nothing prophetically that needs to take place for Jesus to return and call his church home. But Father, we don't want to be lazy or lackadaisical before that call. So give us wisdom, even with this new situation that's right next door to us. Give us wisdom on how to minister, on what to do, and how to make that happen for your glory. That we might be available to with the gospel, however that plays out. And Father, we thank you for your word this morning, that, that again, we have the truth sitting on our laps. So I pray for the gift of teaching, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And for every heart in this room, Lord, there's, there's needs in this, in this room. There's joy, there's sorrow, there's depression, there's anxiety. So Father, I, I just pray that through your Holy Spirit and through your word, that we would take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we'd spend these few moments in eternity really focusing on how much you love people. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's remember that the hymnal book 5 here is Psalms 107 to 150. And so if you're new or visiting, the book of Psalms are songs. They are all songs, and they are broken up into five hymnal books. And so we're in book 5 here. And they were brought together during the time of Ezra. And I try to use round dates to, re- to remember. And Ezra was roughly 450 B.C. time frame. They were brought together after the 70-year captivity was complete. And some of the Psalms that we're reading were written during Ezra's lifetime, while others were written hundreds of years earlier, as we'll see. So this Psalm may have been written during the time of the rebuilding of Jerusalem or around 440. 445 B.C. Nehemiah was commissioned by King Artaxerxes to go back to Jerusalem. You ladies are studying that on Tuesdays. And reestablish itself as a fortified city. And Ezra was already there, rebuilding the temple. And the nations around them didn't like the fact that the Jews were coming back to reestablish the nation of Israel. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Things haven't changed. They harassed them, intimidated them, challenged them, and even wrote letters against them to the king. Things haven't changed. You see, none of this stopped them, though. And this is important for you and I as believers in the days that we're living in. None of this stopped them, for their commission truly came from God. And our commission is not to be politically correct. Our commission is to be biblically correct. And Ephesians tells us to speak the truth in love. To speak the truth in love. We're not to go out and bash people, harass people, intimidate people, call them names or anything like that. But we're to love them, letting them know that God loves them and be that ambassador, that faithful ambassador of Christ that you can know God personally. 
That's our calling, no matter what the world tries to do to us, to push us into a closet. Certain people have come out of the closet, and those same people are trying to push Christians into the closet. Don't give in. Don't give in. Just stay with the Word of God, state the facts, and love people. Let's also remember that during the Passover celebration, Psalms 113 and 114 were sung at the beginning of the celebration. Psalms 115 and 118 were sung at the end. Let's look at Mark chapter 14. Let's look at Mark. And let's look at Mark to see what took place just prior to this final song of the Passover being sung. And that's what we're studying this morning, the final song of the Passover celebration. So Mark 14, if you're new or visiting, if you don't have a Bible or if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, don't be embarrassed, don't be ashamed. Grab a Bible. The team always puts slides up so you can see the little white cross tells you in your Bible where it's at. Old Testament, New Testament. And then we list a few before and a few after so that you can find it. Mark fourteen twenty two, And as they were eating, who were the they? Jesus and his disciples. This is the night before his crucifixion, our Lord's final earthly Passover. Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Now, for most of you, I'm sure this sounds familiar, doesn't it? We find this in 1 Corinthians 11, and the first Sunday of every month, we celebrate communion here, which you can celebrate any time. We just choose to do it on Sunday here, the first Sunday. And so this is communion. Jesus is instituting communion here at the Passover. Then he took the cup, so this would be the final cup or the fourth cup of the Passover celebration. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Who are the many? This morning specifically, that's you and me. But as you read all of the scriptures, we know that God so loved the world. So that would be for the whole world. But we know that only a few, unfortunately, will receive Jesus as their savior. And so you hear, which is shed for many, you can claim that as your own personally. Jesus' blood was shed for me so that I might celebrate communion to remember that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior now that I'm a saint, unfortunately. I'm still trapped in this body of sin. I still need to look for that Savior. Can't lose my salvation. Calvary doesn't believe if you're new or visiting. You can't lose your salvation. But unfortunately, as we have seen, you can walk away from the Lord and reap what you don't want to reap. So just stay focused on the Word of God. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the day, that day, when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, notice verse 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Psalm 118 would have been that last hymn. There's no doubt about that. And so even as we read this morning, Psalm 118, this would have been the last song that Jesus would have sung with his disciples. And that's important as we read the Psalms. Now we have some context. But in thinking about the the Passover, there were four cups, and we don't have time to get into all this, but I'm just going to share with you the four cups. The first cup is called sanctification. 
I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So as they were celebrating the Passover, as most of you know, if you've watched the Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, you guys know the routine. They celebrate the Passover. Well, this is what the Passover is celebrated every single year to this day. Every single year to this day. And so the first cup is, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I equate it, you could equate it with many verses. I just pick this verse, John 17, 19. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. And John 17 is that Lord's prayer. John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And that's why we go verse by verse. And that's why we emphasize the Bible here is we got to know the truth. Then the second cup is deliverance. And the second cup during the Passover meal symbolized, I will free you from being slaves to them. So I will bring you out from under the yoke, and I free you from being slaves to the Egyptians. And I equated this with John 8.36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, and the Son here is Jesus, but again, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior this morning, this is going to mean much to you. So I do want to break it down a little bit and say you can receive Jesus as your Savior. And you can be set free from drug addiction or alcohol addiction or pornography or gambling or anger or whatever it is that, that might be plaguing you. You can literally be set free from that, but you're not going to get that. I can guarantee this to you. You're not going to get that without Jesus. You may get it partially, but you're not going to get it fully. See, God comes within you. When you ask Jesus to be your Savior, the Holy Spirit literally comes within you and now gives you supernatural power that you would never, ever have apart from Jesus. We're not talking religion here. We're talking about a personal relationship. The third cup is redemption or blessing. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. Interesting. The cross. Matthew eighteen eleven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Were any of you lost? Any of you lost? Feel free to raise your hand if you were lost at one time. The rest of you are maybe still lost, but uh, we're lost. And the fourth and final cup is praise, salvation, or acceptance. And it signifies this. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. So that's the Passover celebration in the Hebrew. And to this day, this is what it still symbolizes. But for us as believers, I picked Matthew 10.32. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men. And this is important for you and me in the days that we're living in, where they're trying to push us into a closet, trying to take God out of all avenues, out of the everything possible, that whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father, who is now our Father as well. My Father, Abba, Aramaic, Daddy. That's not irreverent. That's intimate. Abba, Daddy. Before my Father, who is in heaven. So even as we read this psalm, guys, remember Jesus was focused on heaven. The disciples were still focused on the earth. We're sick of Rome. We want to squash Rome. We want to get Rome off our back. They didn't get it. I don't blame them. We would not have either. Once the Holy Spirit came upon them, in them and upon them, then they got it. Then they went out and did what they were supposed to do. But even as Jesus sang this last song, they weren't getting it. They just did not understand. Hopefully you and I do. 
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Again, think about this. Jesus is saying this, and he knows, he knows tomorrow, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be in the grave. And prior to that, I'm going to suffer on a cross, hanging naked, for all to see everything, the Son of God, naked, at a public intersection for all of humanity to receive the free gift of salvation. Jesus understood that, yet he still sings, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to God. For he is good. For his mercy endures forever. You see, God is good and he is merciful. Both are absolutely true. And Jesus sang the truth of God's word one final time with his disciples. So when you and I are in that desperate place, open to Psalm 118 and come up with your own melody or just say it, whatever you want to do, but proclaim the truth. He is good and his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, His mercy endures forever. You see, the disciples were definitely going to need both throughout their lives. Truth and mercy. And as we mentioned last week, verses 2 through 4, they show us, once again, the threefold pronouncement of those who should give praise to the Lord. The Jew, the priest, and the Gentile. And you will find that in the Old Testament. Even though to this day there are many Orthodox Jews who hate, who hate all Gentiles. You're not Mexican, you're not Italian, you're a Gentile. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. There are many Orthodox Jews that hate all Gentiles. It's not scriptural. It's not in the Old Testament. Again, as I mentioned to you last week, I don't know if some of you did it. Hopefully you did. If not, I'll mention it right now again. Take the word stranger. Look up the word stranger. And you will find out that they were to welcome the stranger. They were to love the stranger. They were to share the word of God with the stranger so that the stranger would know who God is and would come to know who God is and worship the same God that they worshiped. Unfortunately, religion came involved and the rest is history. You see, the mercy of the Lord is everlasting. The Jews definitely knew that, but they didn't want to share it with others. But these Jews here, He had removed them from the land of Israel for 70 years and now they're back in the land. They're rebuilding and they are rejoicing. You see, the bottom line is God is faithful even when we are not. Always remember that. God is faithful. If it was was based on my faithfulness, history. God is faithful even when we are not. Verses 5 through 14, this section deals with the fleshly notion that we can accomplish something apart from God. Even Jesus said in in the gospel, apart from me you can do nothing. And and in our fine, you know, in our little minds, you know, I can do lots of things. What was Jesus focused on? Eternity. What did Jesus tell, tell his disciples to do in the very beginning of the ministry? Store up treasure in heaven. 
Jesus was constantly pointing their eyes to heaven. Yes, we need to be responsible. Yes, we need to be diligent and work and take care of our, our families. I, I'm not neglecting any of that. I'm not endorsing, you know, I think it's like, I should have printed it out because I'm going to blow it, but it's over 100 million. I know that. Over 100 million, 100 million Americans receive some type of government assistance. Over 100 million Americans. That's not good. We're relying upon a government instead of relying upon what? In God we trust. Now it's been replaced. In the U.S. government we trust. And you guys see how that works. Don't go there. You don't want to go there. You see, the Jews needed all the help they could get. Yet wasn't it their leaders that got them into trouble in the first place? Think about this. King Solomon. David's son. Who was around David? King Solomon went from worshiping God to worshiping idols. And we go when we go to Israel in March, if you'd like to join us, it's not too late, we're actually going to go to a site and we will actually see several sites where Solomon had built these sites to place idols there to worship the idols. Solomon, the wisest, the richest man that ever lived. Why? He got his eyes off of God. He got his eyes off of heaven. You see, he started the downward spiral of the nation. And so the psalmist makes it perfectly clear in these next verses here that they could not depend upon a man. Now again, ladies, we don't want to take that to any extreme. (laughs) And I'm not meaning that in any extreme. Big picture here. Big picture. They could not depend upon a man. They needed to stay focused upon God. And any man or any woman that is focused upon God, I believe we can depend upon, but we always have to preface God first. If you stick around here long enough, I will let you down. I'll just tell you that right now, because I'm a man. I, I will let you down. Not purposely, but I just will. That's just life. But when we stay focused on God, we repent, we make it right, we move on. Praise the Lord. Let's serve God. So that's our desire around here. So verses 5 through 7. I called on the Lord in distress. Now again, guys, remember the context. They're going back to Jerusalem. They're rebuilding Jerusalem. Or maybe they're already in Jerusalem. Don't know the exact time frame. But that's the, that's the context of the text. I called on the Lord in distress. He answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now think about that. They're coming out of 70 years of captivity. Nebuchadnezzar and all the crazy men after them. What can man do to me? You see, it's, it's, well, we'll get there. Hold on. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on all those who hate me. You see, God removed any fear about man from this person's life, from the psalmist's life. And we see that displayed with Nebuchadnezzar and the the three young men. They weren't afraid of Nebuchadnezzar. You see, the psalmist here was ready to do whatever the Lord asked him to do because God was on his side. And I've said this many times, you know, I just love the fact that it's impossible to lose when God is on your side. We might feel we lost, but not with God. God has a plan. God has a purpose. Even before, even, even during hurricanes, tornadoes, fires, all of these things that come upon all people. There were Christians living in these areas. There were Christians in the towers at 9-11. 
Don't let these things shake your faith, but establish your faith even more. God, how are you going to work? Because I know you're going to work. You were at work during those seven years when they were in Babylon, and now they're out and they're heading back and they're rejoicing. Verses 8 and 9, it is better, it is better to trust in the Lord. Again, we, not that we can't trust in others. We have to. I mean, that's be silly. But it's better. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in the government. Thank God the elections are over. Thank God. Now we know what the Lord's will is, right? In, in, in majority, we're still debating, you know, Florida and Arizona, but, you know. Than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in princes. King Solomon. We're not going back and following King Solomon. We'll follow the good aspects of King Solomon. But man, we're not going to follow the bad aspects. No, 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 no. We're going back to Israel and we're going to try our best through the power of God to stay focused. And that's for you and I today. We're to try our best to stay focused through the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, people will always try to convince us that we have the ability to change things in and of ourselves. In and of ourselves. I I was sharing with a, a gal this past week through various circumstances. I'm not going to give a lot of details. But it, it, it came up um, that she was trying to minister to someone and they weren't going with, with AA. Now, this is not a bash on AA, so don't send me cards and letters. But AA was started out with Christian principles. There's no doubt it was started out with Christian principles. Today, if you go to AA, and this is a fact. Don't argue with me. This is a fact. If you want the doorknob to be your God, then that's your God. Don't press your truth on anybody else. If their doorknob is your God, that's your God. That's not a, that's not the way AA started. So we have now, even over here at Rock Point, they love Jesus and we love them. I know Pastor Bill. They have Celebrate Recovery. So if you don't know about this, they have Celebrate Recovery. And if you have an addiction, they have meetings every week and they're focused on the Word of God. They start Celebrate Recovery starts out with a worship time, a music time, and then they break up into different groups, whatever your addiction might be, and then they get into the Word of God and they go through steps on how to allow the Holy Spirit to get rid of that addiction. We can't do it ourselves, guys. It doesn't work. And if you attend an AA meeting, you will find out that if you stop attending AA meetings... You're going to go back. Because once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Does, that, does my Bible say that? I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible doesn't say that. My Bible says that I'm a new creation. So I'm going to stay focused on my Bible and not what man tries to tell me. Because the fact is, only God can change the heart. And it's the heart that needs to be changed in order for any other change to take place. I mean, that's just reality. Only God can change the heart. Yeah, we can change our minds and we can change our circumstances. But if my heart has not been reborn, yeah, I could fall back. I could go back. Verses 10 through 13, All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Notice that. Name of the Lord. Name of the Lord. They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the what? Name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. So think of the 70 years. 
And now we're back in Jerusalem because the nations around Israel wanted to destroy them then. And there are plenty of nations that want to destroy them now in 2018. Again, just get some basic facts. They are a democracy. They are not a holy nation, nor is America a holy nation. There are holy people within this nation. There are holy people within Israel. A majority of Israel does not even believe in God. That's just just a fact. And so they will, though, you see, because God does not give up on his promises. You see, the promises of God will cause Israel to survive. They think it's because of their mighty army, and they do have a mighty army. They have become self-reliant, unfortunately, forsaking God. And God knew that. God understands that. But God's not going to forsake his promises just because they forsook him. No, no. My promises are going to stand sure and true because I am God and I love them and they will be there. Don't know about America, but they will be there. No matter how many nations come against them, and I think this week they're going to come out with their two-year plan on how to, um, well, between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And... uh You better be in prayer because San Andreas faults the next thing to maybe go. Verse 14. The Lord is my strength and song and he has become my salvation. Again, notice this as the psalmist proclaims. The Lord is my strength and my song. Notice a total reliance upon the Lord. You see, they had no other choice and it appears that the nation of Israel is getting to that same place. Israel today. America has been and still is subtly turning its back on Israel. But God will not leave them nor forsake them. Because he's made a promise to them and he will keep that promise. Stay focused in this next few weeks on what happens to America. If we even one inch turn our back on Israel. It will not be good. Verse 15. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. And again, if you're new or visiting or you're not familiar, right hand is strength. So basically the psalmist is saying the strength of the Lord, the strength of the Lord, the strength of the Lord. So the right hand is strength. Not that you're, if you're left-handed, you're not strong. I, I trust you. You can be strong. But we want to go back to the Bible. This is what the Bible is saying. Right hand is not better than left. So just drop that. So the strength of the Lord is exalted. The strength of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely. Notice as the psalmist reads this, it's not just all highs, highs, highs. He's into reality. And again, if you're not familiar, chastening is disciplining. God disciplines those whom he loves. So if you're a child of God, you will be disciplined. And that's a good thing thing that's a good thing it's like our grandson the other day uh and oh i don't know if i brought it with me or not i didn't bring it with me i told claudia to write it down and now i forgot it but he said something and he's four and he got it from his six-year-old cousin so it wasn't that bad or anything but he's oh what did he say claudia said no that's a bad word we don't say that where did you hear that from i i learned it i learned all i like the bad words i learned them from from samson something like that Thank you for that information. We know who to talk to now. <laughs> and anyway, it wasn't really that bad, for, you know, but for a four-year-old, no, nah, we don't want to say that. That's, nah, 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 nah. Or for a six-year-old. <laughs> Just ask them. They're truthful. It works every single time. <laughs> 
You see, this must have been something after all those years in Babylon to be back in Jerusalem due to the power of God. And Ezra knew that. Nehemiah knew that as well. And it was only because of God that they were back in the land. And it was only because of God that the walls were rebuilt, the doors rehung, and the peace and safety of Jerusalem reestablished. You see, God used Nehemiah to do such a work, and the people came together and completed the rebuilding of the walls. And how many days, ladies? 52 days. And you know, these aren't 4816s or 8816s like we have in our backyard. Again, if we go to, when we go to Israel, we'll actually go to an area where they believe they've unearthed the wall of Nehemiah. And it was 12 to 16 feet wide. Where they would, get, they got up, as you're gonna read in Nehemiah, they got up on the wall and went around Jerusalem singing and praising God. And the surrounding areas that, that noise went for miles. And that joy, that rejoicing went for miles. You see, when the, the scene took place, the voices of rejoicing were so loud that people heard them from miles around. What was that exemplifying? The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The strength of the Lord is exalted. Is God strong on your behalf in your life? Sing praises. Sing praises. Give Him praise openly around the believer as well as unbeliever. Don't be afraid to give God praise. Verses 19 through 21. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them. I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you for you have answered me and become my salvation. Now again, as you ladies are learning, in those days a city without gates was useless. But now that they had the gates in place to stop the thieves from coming and going as they pleased, they were very, very blessed. And I could just imagine the excitement in their voices as they finally had a place to live in peace. If you want to make this a reality for yourself, unlock your doors and open them at night. You're not going to do that, are you? And every morning when we wake up, we first one of the first things we say is, thank you, God, for a restful night and a peaceful home. It might not last forever. Who knows? A fire could come through. But thank you, God, for another restful night. Just give God the praise, guys, even for those simple things. Because it will, ra- it will raise your awareness of how good God is. And it will bring excitement into your life. You see, the enemy was now on the outside trying to get in. But only the righteous were allowed into within Jerusalem. You see, God had answered their prayers. He was what? He was their salvation. The end of verse 1 there. Encourage you to highlight your Bibles and have become my salvation. Verse 22 through 24. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It was marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now that sounds familiar. Jesus made reference to these verses. Peter and Paul made reference to it in their writings. And when Jesus made reference to himself as being the chief cornerstone, the religious Jews wanted to kill him right there on the spot. They knew that he was talking about them and their rejection of him as the Messiah. And to this day, most Orthodox Jews reject Jesus as being the Messiah. They will not read a New Testament. They will throw them out. They will burn them. They'll do whatever. No, we don't know. Jesus is not the Messiah. 
But their rejection of Jesus didn't stop him from becoming the chief cornerstone for all those who believed, which would be for you and me. And it's what? It's marvelous. It is the Father's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Thank you for my salvation, God. Verses 25 to 28. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, save now prosperity. Blessed is the man, is he who comes in the name of the Lord, man or woman. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord and has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Due to time, I'm just going to read some verses, but Jim will throw them up there if you'd like to write them down. Because God has given the world his light. John 1, I'm just going to read these. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him, speaking of Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. John three nineteen. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. This is Jesus speaking. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. Does this sound like America right now? Get God out of it. Get God out of here. Get God out of here. And does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth, so for you and me as believers, come to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. John eight twelve. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am. Am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Acts 13. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you Jews first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And lastly, First Peter chapter 2, but you, speaking to every believer, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you might proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Notice this. So here's our commission as we go out to our mission field, that he has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Verse 29, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endures to 2018. You are seeing God's mercy if you are a believer here this morning. Give Him the praise, and it will endure until the Lord steps foot on this earth after the great tribulation, and then there will be that thousand-year reign of Christ. So let's not give up on anybody. But through us as ambassadors for Christ, extend that mercy to anyone and everyone that they might come to know Jesus as their Savior. 
There's people in California that have open ears this morning that didn't a few days ago. I can guarantee you, I've been with a lot of people in ICU that have open ears. Things change when your world is rocked. Things come into a clear focus when you don't have everything that you used to have. So let's be in prayer and see how God might use us in these next few weeks and months uh, with those in California. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. And Lord, I know your word says you you do not delight in the destruction of the wicked. You are loving, but you are also just. And Lord, I know that you, you give every single person on the face of this earth, you give every single person ample opportunity to receive your Son as their Savior. Your Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is drawing all people to the cross. I don't understand that. I don't know how you do that. It doesn't matter to me. Your word says you do it, so I'm going to trust your word. So Lord, in these next few weeks and months, as we have this situation very close to home here, give us wisdom on what we might be able to do to minister to our neighboring state, to those people who now have nothing. And Lord, we pray for our our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in California, all the churches over there. And I bet there were some Christian churches that are burned. Lord, I pray that you would use them, that they would proclaim your goodness and that you are still a merciful God, even in the midst of chaos. The recent shootings that are taking place and increasing in intensity and numbers. Lord, Lord, we just pray that you would use us to reach people before they take their last breath. Give us wisdom and discernment in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we do the closing song, I've got some homework for you guys. I've got enough at school. Most of you are not in school, so don't use that excuse. All right. Principle. Principle. We've got a slide here. Principle. We're going to study Psalm 119 next week. Whew. So here's a principle. What I'd like you to do this week is read Psalm 119 every single day one time. And I'm not looking for you to go through and count how many times word word is used or commandments or, you know, not, not the head knowledge, numerical knowledge. But this is what I'd like you to do. Find some principles that would benefit your life within that. And so a principle is defined as this. A fundamental truth, I just went on last night, Googled it, and this is what popped up. I was amazed. A fundamental truth that, or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. This was on the internet, first thing that came up. And what was it? The basic principles of Christianity. I was amazed by that. But that's what came up. So for you, if you want to take a picture of that, or if you want to write it down real quick, so as you read Psalm 119, I would like you to look for principles that you could apply to your life. Well, here's an example. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And that's one that you're probably all familiar with. Many of you probably have it memorized. What's the principle? What's the principle? Not just, well, it's got the word word in it, it's got the word light in it. No, what's the principle that can impact your life to make you be more like Jesus? Why don't we all stand, guys? Have a blessed day. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. And I think Matt's got a patriotic song that we're going to sing. The team's got a patriotic song.
check, check. Oh, there it is. Glory, glory, hallelujah.